want to thank you for coming today and being part of what we believe the Lord is doing here in this part of the town, in this part of the city. We not only meet together and believe God for this church and for the membership and those that attend this church, but we meet together and pray for the entire city, for the churches down the street, for the churches across town, for the ministries. We had 25 people this past Tuesday on 9th Street at Day Spring Church, preachers and ministers from all over the city that came together praying and believing the Lord. So we don't just pray for our own church. We pray for other churches. We certainly pray for other ministries. We pray especially for Jeff down at Rose of Sharon Baptist Church because Brother Larry Smith is preaching down there today and we've been holding him up in prayer. Amen. Again, thank you for coming and being part of what God is doing. Reading from the book of St. Luke. By the way, if you don't have an outline, if you lift your hand, they'll make sure that you have an outline of the sermon. If you've got a bulletin, it's in the bulletin. But lift your hand, and uh, we want everyone to have an outline of the sermon. So just lift your hand, and we'll make sure that you get one. Luke chapter 10, reading three verses, beginning with the first verse. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them two by two before his face, into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves." Also want to read, if you'll allow me, the uh, second chapter of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. Read five verses, beginning with verse 1 of chapter 2. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined, Paul says, not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ. And him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but certainly in the power of God. Father, thank you for the reading of your word. Thank you that you allow us to know the mind of your Father, to know the mind of heaven, to know what we should and should not do. Thank you, dear God, for the seed that will be sowed today. We ask you to bless in Christ's name. Amen. The more I studied this and the more I looked at it, the more I realized from these two text today how focused that Jesus was and how focused the Apostle Paul was. I want us to keep in mind something that's very important that we ourselves would focus on what God is saying today. That we'll just remove all the distractions and what we've got to do after the service and this coming week and what happened to us this past week. I want us to focus. 
Because in this first text, Jesus says, I'm sending you forth. And in fact, someone said there were 72 and some manuscripts read 72 and some read as I read 70. But there were about 35 or 36 groups or couples that went out to the place where Jesus Christ himself was going. If you'll notice in Luke, Jesus said, and sent them two by two. And then again, it says, therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. And then it says, go your way. Behold, I send you as lambs among wolves. That word sent, the first one, is to commission, to set apart for special service. It means to equip or to dispatch one, and I love this, when Jesus Almighty, God Almighty, Jesus Christ sends us, he sends us with the full backing and authority of the sender. So when Jesus says, I send you, he just don't throw you out to the wolves. He sends you with authority and the backing of heaven itself. He says, pray the Lord of the harvest to see the need, then make known that need to supplicate until the need is fully met. We certainly need today to pray urgently. And that's, you know, I don't know if that's the only request that Jesus ever gave, but that's Jesus' request. He said, I want you to pray. I want you to urgently pray. And then the next word he says that, notice he says, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. That word send. So what you and I are praying today, that God, the Lord of the harvest, the harvest, of course, of souls, of unbelievers, of the unsaved. He says that word send, I love this, is to eject to cast out, to expel, or to send away. In other words, prayers are for divine power and action to thrust out reapers. So if you want to know what to pray for this week, pray that God Almighty will thrust people into the harvest field. Thrust out the reapers, and you and I are the reapers if we allow ourselves to be that. Notice in your outline the introduction. Evangelism is not a program, but a a way of life. God has not left evangelism to chance. Somebody say amen. God hasn't left it to chance. It works and is guaranteed to be successful when engaged in faithfully. Success in witnessing is simply taking the initiative to share Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to God. Now, take your outline, read that with me. Read it audibly. Here we go, success. Success in witnessing is simply taking the initiative to share Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to God. Can we do that one more time? I think, I think that is so powerful and such a simple 
uh, explanation of what evangelism and what witnessing is today for us. Say it again. Success in witnessing is simply taking the initiative to share Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to God. Amen. What are you preaching about today, Pastor? That's what I'm preaching about. That's it. It's important. Our understanding of evangelism must be rooted in the reality of God's unquenchable desire to save, His ability to save, and His purpose to employ you and I into that mission, into that call. And that when we be fervent, obedient, and certainly faithful in the call that God has for us. Notice the last line, successful evangelism is lay-centered. That's what we hired the pastor to do to win souls. No, that's what we're all called to do. Every one of us, every believer, all of us, we're called. Not only is it lay-centered, it is not seasonal. God has called us to witness for him. The last verse, I think it is in Acts chapter 2, the Amplifier says it this way, praising God, this was the early church, what was happening in the early church, they were praising God continually and having favor with all the people and the Lord kept adding to their number yearly. Did I miss it? What did it say? Let me hear it. Daily. The Lord added daily those who were being saved. God give us souls daily. Amen. We ought to put water in that baptismal pool. Never take it out until we want to take it out to cleanse it and put more water in there. I mean, we need this today. God help me today. Our task is well defined. You say, Pastor, what am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? Notice Roman numeral number one. Our task is well divine. Our territory is well laid out. The local, uh, local neighborhood to the world at large. In other words, your next door neighbor and we're to go to the world at large. And that's the reason we, had, we have foreign missions. Whether it's Moses Chowdhury in Vijuwada, India. Or whether it's Emory Wine, now there are what, 12 churches down in Nicaragua, the eastern part of Nicaragua. Brother Morris, I think when you and I went down, there was either three or four, maybe five churches. Now there are 12 churches that are established there <clears throat> simply because people like you give to this ministry and have been given for over 50 years. And we reach to, out to people around the world. Whether it's foreign missions or whether it's local. He said, what kind of missions or field is local? Let me give you just one of many. And we meet with many on Tuesday at 930. But just one of many outreaches right here in Durham. CEF. Child Evangelism Fellowship. Headed up by John Blake. They reach out to the inner city young people and children in Durham, North Carolina. And they have after school programs right in the schools, following the school. They teach them the word of God. They teach them the principles of God's word. And you help support 
those people. And that's the ones that we're witnessing to. That's the one that we are being able to let our light shine into their lives. Number two, our message is plain. Jesus Christ. You know, one of the greatest stories in the entire Bible to me, I love this story, is Jesus when he talked to the woman at the well. Now, most of us know this story. This woman was an outcast. Evidently because she came to draw water at an unfamiliar time. She had been married five times. And Jesus was sitting there. He was tired. How did he start that conversation? You know what? You're living in adultery. He didn't say that, did he? No, he didn't. He didn't say, well, you need to get right with God. He didn't say that, did he? You know what he said? Give me a drink of water. I need a drink. He started talking about water. Isn't it wonderful that God teaches us how to approach the unsaved? (laughs) We don't have to wonder. And probably if the Lord will allow me next week, I want to give you five examples of how to approach the unsaved. Listen at it. It says... Our message is plain, Jesus Christ. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians. He said, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He was focused. I wonder we focused and is our message centered around None other, none other than Jesus Christ. The needed means are made available. You say, how am I going to go out? You, you know, something, was in, something that was interesting to me, when Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he said, I came to you in weakness. I came to you in fear. I came to you in trembling. Now, I know there's some that... Uh, well, the hyper-faith people don't believe that you should ever have fear or weaknesses or trembling. But you may say, Pastor, if you're calling me, if you're trying to motivate me to win the loss, let me tell you how I go out there. It's weakness, trembling, and fear. Well, that's how Paul went. You've got to understand that the last few places that he went, the last one being Antioch, you got to understand that he was thrown out of some of the cities. He was reproached. He was beaten in Antioch at Mars Hill. The intellectuals wouldn't accept him. Few of them did. And so he came to Corinth here in Greece, speaking, a Jewish man speaking to the Greeks. Try dealing with John Savaris. You know, that's, that lets you know how it is. Some of us know John. I mean, he came and he said, I come to you in weakness. I come to you in fear. He had apprehension about coming to them, but he knew who was with them. And when we go out to witness, when we witness on our job, when we witness to whoever it might be, you and I can realize, hey, here's where Paul was. And yet the apostle Paul was one of the most successful missionaries, if not the most successful. It's important. But Jesus Christ said this, Lo, I am with you always. 
Aren't you glad that he's with us? No matter whether it's witnessing, no matter what we're facing, Jesus Christ is with us. I want you to notice the three M's of successful evangelism. Number one is motivation. Motivation for evangelism is generated through. Now, I would be naive this morning if I thought I was going to stand before all of us. And when I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself. I would be naive if I thought I was going to motivate us to go out and win souls. I'm not going to motivate you. I'm not going to chide you. I'm not going to get on your case. But I'm simply sharing the word of God. And here we're going to talk about what will motivate us. Pastor, if your message this morning don't motivate me, what is going to motivate me to speak to the unsaved, to witness to the lost that they might be saved? Notice number one. It's generated through experiencing the gospel, encountering the spirit, praying, and revisiting the testing truths. The thing that's going to motivate me and motivate you is for me to understand how much Jesus Christ loves the lost. If I can get a glimpse of the cross, If I can sort of comprehend this sacrifice that was made, that will motivate me, that will move me, that will cause me to witness. And I pray to God Almighty this morning that I can get a new glimpse and vision of understanding the love that Jesus Christ has. For my neighbor, for my coworker, for my loved one. God loves them so much. And I'm not going to share this one that loved them and Jesus Christ that died for them. I'm not going to share that to them. We need to mobilize to pray. We need to mobilize to witness. We need to mobilize to win the lost. That's number two. Look at it. First of all, the motivation. The motivation is, it's, it's knowing the Christ, knowing his love, knowing the cross, knowing the sacrifice, and having the power of the Holy Spirit to birth that in me. See, I can't just read about it in the Bible. Read about it and understand it. It's got to be the power of the Holy Spirit that moves it in me. And if God don't move us this morning, none of us will be moved. Amen. Mobilization is achieved by planning, organizing, and staffing. That includes recruiting, interviewing, and placing members according to their gifts, according to their gifts, according to their skills, and their interest. And this is what we need to do. Talk about it. Plan it. Start doing something. Take the initiative. Let me go back. Success in witnessing is simply taking the initiative. You and I, someone says, I don't feel like it. You don't have to feel like it. I don't want to. You don't have necessarily even to want to. 
But understanding the word of God and understanding that that neighbor is going to die and go to hell. You know, I, I thought about putting a, a, a statement on our sign out front. Hell, dot, dot, dot. I forgot all about that. But the kids down the street or whoever it is, I don't know who does it. They change our wording sometime. And I got a feeling they'd take that one and really use it. <laughs> Understanding that. And we need to do those things. First of all is the motivation. Second of all is the mobilization. And thirdly is the management. Involves clarifying priorities. Setting up timetables. Keeping a positive perspective. And implementing a process of evaluation for the purpose of... What's that word? I mean, that's, that's a word that's failed by the wayside, seems like, lately. Because we don't want to be accountable to anyone. Don't hold me accountable to be in church. If I want to be there, I'll be there. If I don't, I won't be there. Don't hold me accountable to read my Bible. If I want to, I will. Don't hold me accountable to pray. Don't hold me, pastor, accountable to preach, teach, or do any of those things, or the witness for the Lord. But that's what it's all about. Evangelism explosion is the Cadillac. Of soul winning. Evangelism explosion really helps us to understand when you take this course, we're not going to be teaching that. James Kennedy, which has been dead for years out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, is the one that started that great ministry. And it, it, is, it is a powerful tool for winning the unsaved. But one of the things that they would do when they would go out, they'd go out, 20, 30, 40 people would go out from the church and they would witness. I'm not too sure that 30 years ago, 40 years ago, the method for witnessing and winning souls is the same. I think things change. But what they did, they would go out and, and go to bus stops. They would go to uh, places of, of where others would be. Uh, laundry match. They would go to these places and they would witness. But when everyone finished, they had a set time, they would all gather back at the church, number one, to give testimony of what God had done on the streets. And second of all, to be accountable, did you do what we planned to do? Accountability. So you have motivation, you have mobilization, you have management. We need to do all those things have a post-evangelistic accountability meeting. It would be great. Success and witnesses, look at it. We're going to go through it fast. Here we go. Success in witnessing. The authority of evangelism, and I've got scripture. I won't read it all. The authority of evangelism is Christ. The purpose of evangelism is making disciples. The method of evangelism is volunteerism. We volunteer. Nobody pays me. We, we, this is something we've been called to do is evangelize, even if we're not an evangelist. The power of evangelism, and I love this one. The power of evangelism is the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, I will read this one, verse 8. But you will, re- will receive power and ability. This is the Amplified. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, you will be, you will be to tell people about who? Jesus, about me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. Amen. You're going to receive power. 
God doesn't call us to do something that he's not there to give us the strength, the power, the ability, and the fortitude to do that thing. He will do that. The message of evangelism is redemption in Christ. Preacher, I don't know what to say to people. Well, one of the best things to do is give your testimony. What has Christ done in your life? Paul did that wherever he went. He talked about Jesus. No matter where he went, he preached Christ in the synagogues at Antioch and Thessalonica. He preached Christ on Mars Hill. He he preached Christ before Felix and Agrippa. He preached Christ in the prison in Rome. No matter where he was, he preached Christ. But he just didn't preach Christ. He said, I've determined not to know anything among you but Jesus Christ and what? So we need to tell people, Jesus came. Jesus lived. Actually, lived on this earth. Jesus died. He was buried. Jesus rose the third day. And the day he lives today. He's just as much alive as you and I are alive today. And then say, hey, here's what this Jesus has done in my life. He's touched my life. He's delivered me from sin. And you certainly want to be discreet when we're talking and witnessing to people about these things. But it works. The geographical dimensions of evangelism is cities, states, and countries of the globe. And that's the reason I try to get us to focus beyond 3518 Rolls of Sharon Road. Because there are needs down the street. There are churches across town. There are ministries. Listen, there are so many ministries throughout this city that we can help support. Throughout the triangle, not just Durham, but Raleigh, uh, Chapel Hill, Chatham County, Durham County, Person County, uh, Wake County. We just reach out. This, This is where we are. Is to reach out to the unsaved. Observation about the Apostle Paul's ministry. And I'm closing as my team gets ready. Number one, Paul kept the message simple. Jesus, Christ, and him crucified. Listen, and what Paul did, he allowed the Holy Spirit to direct him in what to say and what not to say. He felt weak and fearful. Real emotions that we often feel when we proclaim Christ in a hostile world. How many of you know we live in a hostile world today? It's there. And if I understand this great man, the Apostle Paul, maybe, just maybe, having gone through what he went through at Antioch and the other, and the other cities, maybe, just maybe, this man didn't have it all together either. Because I don't sometimes. But there's one thing he had together. His faith and his trust was in Jesus Christ. And in the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm sending you like a lamb among wolves. Now some Christians are like a ram among wolves. Now, Matt and the team is going to go out to the gay pride parade. Remember, you are a lamb, not a ram. 
When you witness, understand that God has put us here. His message and preaching were dependent on the power of God in demonstration, not of his ability to persuade men, but of the Holy Spirit's power to work in hearts. And we should not use the Apostle Paul's statement as an excuse. He said, I'm depending on the Holy Spirit. Well, I can just walk out here. I don't have to study. I don't have to prepare myself with prayer. I don't have to do any of those things. God's going to be with me. You better study. You better prepare. You better pray. Then the Holy Spirit will assist. And he will bless. And he will minister. God's put us here like a light. Every, every believer is a light. Every Christian is a light. And you might say, Pastor, it certainly, it certainly is a dark time today. We have all kind of ungodly things that is happening in our society and in our culture. And you expect me to be the, a light? Let me tell you what. The darker it is, the brighter the light shines. Pastor, I don't know why God's got me on this job. Well, maybe he's got you there to be just a light to beam forth, just to shine. The gentleman that played for our offertory, Derek, today, he's Neil's speech therapist. And you know what? He's a light. That's his job. But he walks in our house with a smile and you can sense the presence of God with him. And I, I, I just don't believe it's just in our house where that light shines. I believe every, every house that Derek goes to, whether he's, and he's, he's doing his job, I believe that light shines. And I believe, it's going to, I believe it's going to affect people's lives. Your light, your smile, your knowledge of Jesus Christ, your testimony about his life and death and resurrection, it will shine today just as bright as it would have 30, 40, 50, 100 years ago. That light will shine if you let it shine.